be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and my co-host is Spencer the Wizard. We just completed week six. And we have an exciting new show for you. We have a total breakdown of the NFL, as well as an injury update later in the show. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to Spencer the Wizard, and let's launch right into one of the most fascinating weeks we've seen in memory. Well, how's everybody doing? Uh, the date is October 17th, and uh, we're right in the mid-swing of things. Uh, beautiful fall weather out here, and uh, Halloween season's in the air, but I just want to say uh, thanks a lot for listening to the show, and uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So, the premier matchup, America's Game of the Week, I want to talk about because it featured a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. Um, at Candlestick Park at the same setting as last year's NFC Championship. Many people coming into today's, uh, coming into Sunday's game thought the 49ers would roll over the Giants or would beat the Giants by a slight margin. Um, many people thought that, uh, San Francisco would be very motivated and would get the revenge on New York. But no one really saw this coming. The Giants ended up go- going on to win the game 26 to 3. What a statement. Alex Smith, who is usually not turnover prone, throws three interceptions in this game. Bradshaw is the first 100-yard rusher in 23 games at Candlestick Park as he goes for 116 yards and his first rushing touchdown. I honestly did not see that coming. Even though I'm a big Giants fan, I still I still sat Bradshaw on my fantasy team because I expected San Francisco's defense to shut him down, but Bradshaw had an efficient day. Really, this game, as I saw it, it really came down to the Giants defense bottling up the San Francisco offense. And pretty much last year, the Giants defense owns the Niners offense. Um, In last year's NFC Championship game, Alex Smith, the last 11 drives of the game, he went 1 for 11 on third downs. And Sunday, he only went 4 for 15 on third downs. Um, 
Entrell role was huge. He was the MVP of the game for the Giants. He had two interceptions off of Alex Smith. And usually Alex Smith protects the ball well. But since the Giants D-line with Justin Tuck, Pierre, Paul, and Osi shutting down Frank Gore, Alex Smith was forced to put it in the air 30 times. And in the second half, the Giants had a 10-3 lead to start it. But Entrell Rule returned the ball inside of the 10-yard line each time off of interception. That was the game right there. And then it was just Lawrence Tynes on repeat. I mean, Eli Manning had a, had a pretty efficient day throwing the football. Um, he threw for 197 and a touchdown um, to Victor Cruz in the first half. But Eli just had to manage the game because his defense stepped it up. And the Niners' defense still looked pretty dominant. I mean, the Giants got the ball in the red zone. And believe it or not, 26-3, the Giants could have scored more touchdowns in there than field goals. So just what a statement game by the Giants. In my opinion, they are still the team to beat. And, Dad, looking at this matchup, what do you think about the Giants? I think that they're the best team in the NFL, even better than the Atlanta Falcons. Um, What do you think about the two directions that these teams are going in? Um, How do you assess the game? Well, I have to admit, uh, the game was really a statement game. We were at the game at the link the week before when the Giants uh, lost a very, or it was two weeks ago. Sorry, I, I just came back from Europe, so I'm a little bit <laughs> off on my weeks. But uh, there wasn't much football in, in Europe, I could tell you, other than what they call football, which is soccer. So we went to that game, and it was a typical Eagles-Giants game. And I just didn't get the sense that the Giants were going to be so dominating. And uh, But when they went to San Francisco... And their defensive line and their defensive scheme was was really good. I think their coaching, Tom Coughlin, doesn't get enough credit for the preparation he does with the Giants. Eli Manning, you know, is is the guy. Uh, the team just looked unbeatable. So I would I would say going across the league, the thing about Atlanta is they're a great home team. I still need to see them go away to to face uh, a, a really good adversary, and um, I think we will see that actually. In two weeks, when they come in to play the Eagles, the Eagles almost always win the game after the bye. So I think we're going to see what the Falcons are made of. They've certainly had a good start. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta has played a lot of softies, and that's not really Atlanta's problem. But really, uh, they they beat Carolina by three with a walk-off field goal. Um they end up squeaking a win out in Washington, outscoring the Redskins by 10 in the fourth quarter after RG3 leaves the game in Landover. Um, and then they beat Oakland by a very slim margin of three points. I know they're 6-0, and but, but you have to admit that in a one-game playoff scenario, the Giants can beat anybody. If their defense can stay healthy and... If when Bradshaw goes over a hundred yards, they just have such a balanced attack. And the real glaring weakness in this game, I'd say the Niners D and the Giants D. The Niners might even have a slightly better defense, especially in their secondary. The Giants D line's pretty hard to top, but secondary and linebackers, 49ers have very good um players. Um but the quarterback, Alex Smith, um, is is a guy that at his best is pretty good. 
um, and doesn't turn the ball over. But he's not a guy who's really going to hurt you like Eli Manning. Eli Manning's an elite quarterback. He knows how to win big games. And I think Alex Smith is still learning and he even took a big step back. Um, and I guess 49ers fans might question whether they can get over the hump with their quarterback. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, Green Bay and Houston was another showdown. Two elite teams, Green Bay got off to a 2-3 and three start after last week Andrew Luck came back from a 21-3 halftime deficit. Um, in this game... Green Bay's offense has still been pretty good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, has, in the last two weeks, has thrown seven touchdowns going into Sunday night's game. He threw four versus New, uh, four versus New Orleans, and then he threw three um, versus the Colts. And um, Aaron Rodgers blamed the Colts' loss on him, but really, I knew that Aaron Rodgers was balling, and I and I saw this coming the whole way. Houston looked very vulnerable versus the Jets. I know you were in Europe, but Houston only beat the Jets by six, and even Sanchez had some big. Big passing plays down the field. So Aaron Rodgers puts up six touchdowns on Houston. And Green Bay, I, I never thought that they were back. I just thought, you look at Green Bay's losses. They lost to San Fran at home. The the, the play, of course, with the Russell Wilson debacle shouldn't have been a loss. And then you had the Colts that are playing for Chuck Pagano as cancer. And Andrew Luck puts up a great second half. I mean, the Colts' loss is, a, is not a good loss, um, but the 49ers and the Seattle game are kind of understandable. I think Green Bay is still at the top of the league. I mean, I still take them over Houston because you look at Rodgers and Schaub. Um, I like Green Bay's chances a lot this year. You know, what, what do you think about the game? Well, you know, from a sports medicine standpoint, you and I have studied a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and... I look at his preparation. I've, I've read a lot. I've seen videos about how he trains. It's very interesting, and it's good for all of you young quarterbacks out there. There's certain exercises he avoids. I know this sounds a little bit off topic, but Aaron Rodgers is very protective over his shoulders. So he doesn't believe in bench pressing at all, military presses. He um, doesn't do heavy squatting because of his knees. He only does body weight squats. And the guy has an incredible training regimen. You know when they lost games, obviously when they got ripped off on the, uh, you know, against the Seahawks, he uh, he just said awful. You know, they said what was it like, just awful. But the guy is a tremendous athlete, a very a good mind for the game, and you know we we know his tremendous potential, and he was due for a breakout. You know, I I put the Giants and Green Bay at the top of the NFC. Yeah, you know, I look at Green Bay's defense, and they, they really shut down Chicago when they beat them. They made Jay Cutler look like a junior varsity quarterback out there, and they shut down Matt Forte. So you look at Green Bay, and they still have Clay Matthews, Raji. They still have a pretty dominant defense there. Um, A.J. Hawk, they still have good players. Um, and Arian Foster, I knew if he was kept in check, this was Green Bay's game to win. Um, Houston, just their passing game, uh, 
looking at other teams like Atlanta, the Giants, Green Bay, I mean, I don't know if Schaub in their passing game can keep up with the rest of the NFL in this passing league. So that's a question to address in Houston. Um, we have one more game I want to showcase. I call this the big three. And we have Seattle and the Patriots. And, De- and uh, Bruce, you, you saw this game live at a sports bar. You watched the second half, and you saw Russell Wilson's heroics. Um, talk about this game here, a stunner in Seattle. Well, I definitely think uh, this this segment has just been flying by. And in order to do justice to the game, I want to first uh, – we're going to defer this We're gonna, after a three-minute break. But I want to thank Michael Mitchell, our producer back in Arizona. I want to thank Ray Ellis, the sports director for Voice America, who, uh, who makes this all possible. And after a three-minute break, I really want to get into the Seattle Patriots game, and I also want to break down the game that we witnessed, uh, an- another kick in the solar plexus for the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid. So, thanks for listening. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in three. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. You want to talk about a devastating injury in the field of sports. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I wear a lot of hats in my medical practice. 
For your purposes, I am very involved in sports medicine, treatment of concussion and sports injuries. And I also have a practice that entails other traumatic injuries to the spine and extremities. If you're within driving distance of my practice, anywhere between Philadelphia or Wilmington, Delaware, I'd be very happy to perform a consultation and help you with your problems. You could call us in Philly or Pennsylvania, 610-521-6063, or in Delaware, Maryland, surrounding states, 302-636-0920. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and let's get right into it. Setting the scene, game one, Detroit versus the Yankees. We're going to credit the Yankees' television for this audio feed as you can hear the play a ground ball to Derek Jeter Peralta waiting on a 2-2 grounded Jeter will not be able to make a play there at the corners he's alright he rolled over and tried to toss that ball Maybe not landed on that foot again. He's had all kind of trouble with the left ankle in the last month of the season. And there it was. You saw Jeter diving for the ball. You saw him scream. Lying on the turf. And this was a severe left ankle fracture. He had to be helped off the field by his manager. And to bring you up to date, there still is no definitive word whether or not he'll need surgery. But this leads us to the management of ankle fractures. And the key point is whether or not Derek Jeter has associated torn ligaments. The ligaments, of course, are structures that connect bone to bone. And again, just to let you know, tendon is a point that connects muscle to bone. So... When one has torn ligaments, that creates laxity. It creates a tendency for the elbow to, I mean the elbow, sorry, the uh, the ankle to roll, invert, and dislocate. So, unfortunately, if you look carefully at the video, you'll see Derek Jeter, his ankle rolled. There was a fracture. And, um, again, I, I haven't seen the x-rays myself. All I have is what you see in the news, and that is a an ankle fracture and a suspicion of torn ligaments. So let's talk about ankle ligament tears, otherwise known as ruptures. There are two ligaments in the ankle that usually tear. The first one is the anterior talofibular ligament. And that connects, as you can tell, the talus to the fibula, laterally. The lateral bone is the most common bone that fractures. It's called the fibular bone. There's also another very common tear, which is called the calcaneofibular ligament. That connects, as you guessed it, the calcaneus to the fibula. The ligaments posteriorly in the ankle are rarely affected. So, basically... There's 
x-rays and MRI, which is magnetic remnant, magnetic resonance imaging. Try to say that while you're whistling and eating crackers. This provides the early diagnosis. If there are simple ligament tears, they could be treated non-surgically. In the case of Derek Jeter, we have a fracture, which could be, and again, I haven't seen the x-rays, it could be chondral or osteochondral fracture. There can be dislocated bony avulsions. That means when the bone tears and the ligament tears, and essentially that's a very severe situation. The initial therapy involves immobilization, reducing the swelling with ice and elevation. And patients that have both bony injuries and ligament tears often require surgery. So you might ask, what happens in surgery? Essentially, the ligament stumps, which are the ends of the ligament, are reapproximated and reinforced with local tissue. And the surface is examined for other injuries. When there's operative fractures, there's often small plates and screws that are placed, in the case of a fibular fracture, laterally. And in the case of athletes, this type of stabilization will certainly reinforce the stability of the ankle. And uh, once there's healing, will enable the ankle to continue playing at an elite level. The initial approximation of treatment with just a bony fracture would have been a three-month casting and rehabilitation for Derek Jeter. Just 12 hours ago, there was some unofficial word that there was confirmation of ligament tearing, presumably through MRI, and there was at least a hint that Jeter will require surgery, and that will be a much longer period of recuperation and rehabilitation. That might last 6 to 12 months more. The concern about Jeter is he's played for decades. He has a lot of wear and tear on his ankles, a lot of degeneration. And given the scenario, I would say that the injury plus the surgery, if necessary, is career-threatening, not career-ending. Let's take a step back. Let's look at the New York Yankees. When they lost their captain, it really struck a blow to the heart of the team. And as you know, they lost Gabe 2 to Detroit, and they're down 2 nothing in the best-of-seven series. So right now, the Yankees are on the ropes. They're without Jeter. Alex Rodriguez had a very poor playoff series and was benched. So you have your two aging veterans, one who went out with a devastating injury, Jeter, and A-Rod, the highest paid player in the game, who was benched in the playoff series and has now come back in the championship series. So, again, I'll keep you posted on Jeter's injuries, but I'm glad I had a chance to talk a bit about the treat, the surgical treatment of ligamentous and bony fractures. That is, treating both the ligaments, reapproximating the ends, often treating the bone with plates and screws, then a period of casting. And during that period of time, unfortunately, the muscles in the leg, particularly the calf muscle, which is the gastrocnemius, 
and the muscles on the front part of the leg, including the everters, which cause you know the the ability for the ankle to move laterally. These muscles will become atrophied over a series of months. So the rehabilitation involves you know range of motion, then weight bearing, and then finally, once the inflammation and the post-operative pain is gone, we finally get into the period of muscle building and rehabilitation. So this is a uh, very tedious process and made more difficult by the age of the athlete who uh, in, the, in baseball in the late 30s, the recovery is generally slower. And we also look at the secondary effects on the, the team, the New York Yankees, who are coming in with a lot of momentum, who lose their captain, and who are on the ropes down to nothing. Let's quickly flip back to the series between the Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Nationals started out at home with a wildly cheering crowd. 6 nothing lead. Going into the ninth inning, they had a two-run lead. And they let up four runs. So St. Louis scored six runs in the last two innings. This was a record in baseball history for a team facing elimination to score six runs in the last two innings. And the St. Louis Cardinals did it again. They came back, and as you know, they're currently playing in the National League Championship Series against the San Francisco Giants. And as we go to press, the Cardinals won Game 1 and are heading it to Game 2. So there you have it, a baseball segment. We, we got it in in the middle of football season, certainly an achievement for us here at Bruce the Sports Dock at Wiz City. And we had a chance to go over the AL Championship Series, devastating loss of Derek Jeter, some of the medicine behind the treatment of the ankle, and a brief update on the NLCS. Stay tuned for the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for tuning in. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur 
amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're here at Voice America Sports. We want to pay tribute to our illustrious sports director, Ray Ellis, an excellent player for Dick Vermeil's Philadelphia Eagles, and Michael Mitchell and our production team, our own Matty Ice, back in Arizona, the Valley of the Sun. So we want to thank you. And we're going into the next phase of our analysis of NFC and NFL and AFC and all of that, week six. And I'm going to introduce my co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. We're going to start off with a stunner, Seattle Seahawks, New England Patriots. Well, I think it wouldn't be appropriate to... uh to mention all the great work that Voice America does. Um, again, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, I relay the message my dad said about our colleagues in uh, Arizona and um, and all our Voice America friends and, uh, and business associates just doing a great job. So we take this party up to Invesco. Um, we take this party. I think it might be Sports Party. Nah, it's Invesco. All right, anyway, it's Seattle, Washington. The the score is twenty three to ten here. You're thinking the Patriots got this. Bill Belichick, you know, on the road. You know, even though he's playing Russell Wilson, you think <laughs> this one's a wrap. Seal it. Put it in a basket. Bo, take it back home to Massachusetts. And uh, Patriots are four and two, right? But you know, you got a rookie quarterback, Russell Wilson. But hey, look at this. I mean. Russell Wilson throws two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One is just a prayer to Braylon Edwards. If you saw the game, it wasn't a back shoulder play. Braylon Edwards might have gotten away with a push off. Either way, it was either a push off or horrible coverage. I mean, Russell Wilson, though, made, you know, let him down, made some good passes, but no pass was more heroic and more spot on than the Sidney Rice 46 yard beautiful masterpiece that he crafted right over the defense. I don't know what the safeties on New England were doing, letting a receiver get behind them, but Russell Wilson threw a beautiful pass, and uh, the kids clearly got arm strength. I mean, even though he's only five foot ten, um, he still uh, manages to get the ball where it needs to be. He had a very efficient day throwing the rock. Um, he was uh, 17... For 29, Russell Wilson, 
Uh, obviously, I think that this was by far his best game as a pro. Excuse me, he was 16 for 27, 297 big ones, and three touchdowns. And the Patriots are thinking that if the, if they limit Marshawn Lynch to 40 yards rushing, no touchdowns, they got this game made. But they let Russell Wilson get on a roll. Gotta give huge props to Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I mean, this guy's a fourth round draft pick out of Wisconsin. Mostly gonna be used in a wildcat kind of gadget formation because of his speed as a, as a scrambling quarterback. He comes in and such, such a high character guy and a leader, and a leader to come in there and believe that he could take the quarterback, um, role from Matt Flynn who's getting paid 10 million dollars to sit on the bench right now it's incredible and you got to give Pete Carroll credit for not you know going in the peer pressure I guess from the management because they're paying a guy 10 million dollars to start Matt Flynn but he really meant it was an open competition and uh, it seems like a pretty good move right now well again Pete uh, Carroll Carrill is certainly a, uh, a perfect fit in Seattle and the one thing that remains to be seen, in my view, is whether Seattle could carry this through on the road. If you look at Seattle historically, since the beginning of their franchise, it's, they're always a great home team. People have to travel to get to Seattle. Um, they're using a different time zone. The crowd in Seattle is the 12th man. It's certainly, uh, cer- certainly the noise there is incredible, even, now that they have, it's not in the dome anymore. It's an outdoor stadium. But the question is whether Seattle can. I'm, I'm really waiting for them to play a team on the road to see if Seattle could crack through. Great point. I mean, you look at, at the team they lost to, uh, two teams that right now are looking pretty beatable. Uh, you know, I guess you wouldn't call them easy road games at all, but Arizona on the road they lost, and St. Louis on the road they lost. And, and you're right, you make a great point there. Um, and uh, we're going to get to that next segment. We have such a surprise for you, a segment that I've come up with that I've been so excited about called um, called Stocks, called Pretender um, and Contender. Contender, pretender. And um, right now, uh, you know, looking at this game just to wrap it up because we're going to head to the Eagles um, Lions game, but Tom Brady had so many chances to put the game away. Before the half, he, he had an opportunity to at least get a field goal. He held on to the ball too long, even grounded it into the ground, um, and got and, and they didn't get any points. The, the Patriots had the ball in the red zone, but Brady. He couldn't close out the game in the fourth quarter. Just an uncharacteristic game from him, even though he threw for two touchdowns and almost 400 yards. Um, you expected Brady to clutch, to clutchly end the game like he usually does, but, um, he, he left the door open, um, for Seattle. Uh, and I shouldn't just say him. The whole Patriots offense, I think, has to do a little bit of a better job. So right now, Bruce, the sports stock, I'm going to tee you up. We actually were in attendance yesterday at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, and uh, to set the scene there, Jeremy Macklin, 70-yard touchdown, Eagles by 10, um, 23-13. to 13. Uh, We're headed for the exits. Exactly right. We looked at the first half. It was really a, you know, it was a very slow, sluggish game. Uh, Detroit had 13 penalties in the game. The Eagles uh, had a 7-6 lead. And then we, we rolled into the fourth quarter. And 
the, the Eagles, in a, such a sluggish game, like they were playing in quicksand, had a 10-point lead. It seemed that all the Eagles had to do was sit on the ball, run it to Shady McCoy, and, and just play any kind of defense, and they would win the game. So it's it's true. In preparation for the Giants 49ers, out of respect for Spencer and his team, we felt like the game was on ice. There was no need to uh, get caught in traffic, and, and we left. And we listened to the game. Uh, kudos to Merle Reese and Mike Quick, our, our hometown announcers. Uh, as, as a diehard Eagles fan, it was it was almost painful to listen to. I don't know, uh, uh, you know what it was like to be there, but let's break it out. Basically, uh, at this point, Matthew Stafford, uh, really started going crazy. Calvin Johnson, the, uh, it's interesting, in, in Nomni Asinwa, number 24 for the Eagles, really came out with some controversial stuff today, Spence. I know you were in school, but he basically said that the team completely changed their defensive strategy. Rather than playing up on the ball, they basically played in a, a two-deep zone. They were playing off the ball, and they were just leaving uh, him a lot of space or leaving Johnson a lot of space. And basically, the the Lions drove down the field on two occasions. They went into overtime. The Eagles got the ball. They won the toss. And what happened was, in the stir of the Eagles season, is very inconsistent and poor play by the offensive line. And Michael Vick essentially went in the opposite direction. And it was third and 30-plus, uh, another area code. They punt the ball, and Detroit... Got the ball in great field position, drove down, and uh, Jason Hansen, Hansen yeah. uh, who's who's been in the league for decades, the ageless foot himself, the ageless foot himself is uh, kicked an improbable victory. It, the the vic- This was what we call in golf a Mongolian reversal. Yeah. We figured that the Eagles would be four and two going into the bye week, the Giants would lose, and the Eagles would be in first place. Sure. But as you learned. Uh, Controversy in Eagles land. Andy Reid, of course, told us nothing in the post-game press conference. Basically, that uh, he accepts responsibility for it. The same, the same tired lines, and it was, uh, it was really rather horrific. Yeah, boy. I mean, we we got a couple minutes. I'm going to try to talk as fast as I can. Quick observations there um, from the game is that Michael Vick did not play stellar at all. He threw the ball. He had two terrible turnovers the whole first half he, the offense played poorly as a whole the Lions even played worse I mean Matt Stafford out there he looked worse than I mean no offense to Brady Quinn out there but but he looked like the worst quarterback in the whole NFL yesterday he looked like I, I think my sister could have thrown more accurate passes than Matthew Stafford I mean the best play Matt Stafford had we were joking around was when he rumbled up the field for a two-yard rushing play Stafford so we were thinking this game's a lock the Lions got no offense the Eagles are up by 10 points they're going to scrape out a win versus a lowly Lions team and what awesome was saying is really unbelievable because Juan Castillo in this defense has been playing well. I'd say that Castillo's been doing a beyond average job. I think he's been doing a good job this year with this defense. And you know, now that they lost the game, unfortunately for Michael Vick and the whole Eagles team, they should be 4-2 and right now. 
they should be crediting Vic for be, for for winning games and being clutch in the fourth quarter as he hit Macklin for 70 yards. But his defense played so poorly, they exposed his whole performance. They made him go to overtime, where unfortunately he faltered big time. And now everyone's going to look back at the first half of the game that could have been all resolved if their defense played in average, just average, but they played the worst defensive football I have seen in quite a long time. They let Tony Scheffler, the backup tight end, go down the field for 80 yards? 80 yards, Tony Scheffler. That ain't no zone to me. And if something is working, why would you ever change it? The Eagles' defense was shutting the Lions down. They got way too cute with the game plan there. And so, so pretty much, I'd say, real quickly... The blame goes to the defense. You have a 10-point lead. Any level of football, you easily put the game away. Okay, if they score a touchdown, you don't let them score it in 50 seconds. You make them take at least two minutes with the football to score a touchdown. You don't give up an 80-yard play to Scheffler there to put them in position to score in 50 seconds. And, And then, as an offense, I mean... Elite teams can get a first down. Michael, I'd say Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Brady, Rodgers, even Tony Romo can get a first down there. Michael Vick, what's he do on third and seven? He he throws it right into Indomitian Sue's paw. So, you know, that's pretty much the story of the football game. You know, even Flacco, Schaub, those guys can get third and seven. But Michael Vick out there, um, he just he just couldn't get it done in the clutch when they needed him to get it done. This is the end of our segment. This is so much fun. These twelve minutes, man, they they it can't get any. They can't go by any faster. Um, and uh, when we come back, we got some more NFL football to talk about. You're listening to Brewster Sports Talk, best network on the internet, Voice America. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam had the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. End of week six. We now go into our favorite game show, Contender Pretender. We have a guest, Wesley Kaminsky from BleacherReport.com, Temple University. Without any further ado, we go to our moderator, Spencer Grossinger. Take it away. Let's hit it, guys. Um, so right here, first team, we got the AFC East, okay? All four teams are in this category, pretender, contender. Let's, let's open it up with the New York Jets, three and three. I'm saying they're a pretender quarterback, um, controversy and Mark Sanchez and Tebow, Revis and Santonio Holmes out, pretender. Wesley? Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to agree with you there. I, I think that, I mean, right now they have a four-way tie in that division, but I think, there's no question the Patriots are definitely they have soft schedule the rest of the way and I think that they will definitely take the division and they play the Jets this week. And I just think there's too much distractions going on, so I have to say pretender as well. Yeah, exactly. So you take us to New England, which is a good point. Definitely a contender, division champion there. Um, now the Buffalo Bills are three and three. I just think that Fitzpatrick is too inconsistent along with their defense. Uh, I just don't see them getting into the playoffs this year. I say a uh, pretender for Buffalo. Yeah, I don't think the Bills are uh, for real. I mean, they, their defense is definitely has big question marks. They played well against the, uh, the Arizona team, who's uh, on the verge of falling apart right now. And I just don't think you can trust that defense. They just tried to bring back Sean Merriman, so they're pretty desperate. So I'd have to agree with you. Absolutely. This is an interesting one, and I'm, and this is like our first surprise of the game show. But the hard knocks, the South Florida kids, the Miami Dolphins, and Ryan Tannehill, who's only been playing quarterback for like three years because he started at AMM as a wide receiver. These Miami Dolphins, I'm seeing a big contender for an AFC wildcard spot. They're playing really well. Two big wins over Cincinnati and St. Louis. D's holding up. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, this is the AFC East. I just think the Patriots will figure it out. And the Dolphins, I did not expect this out of them. But I think when you look at the AFC, I think the Steelers will get it together. And I think the Broncos can even get it together. Whatever the Chargers could take the last wild card. So I don't think the Dolphins are ready just yet. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to our AFC North. We have two teams on the bubble right now. Cincinnati and Steelers, take your pick. I'm taking Pitt nine times out of ten. Bengals with two big losses. The running game is very suspect. Um, and they just dropped one to Cleveland and Miami. I just don't think they're getting it done. Tough division, AFC North. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we, I'll certainly go with the Steelers. I think when you get teams like the Patriots and the Steelers, it's pretty easy to see them bouncing back and doing well. 
Now we've got, uh, we were going to have an enshrinement for Andrew Luck, but unfortunately that's going to be postponed. Let's talk about the Colts. Well, they went up to New York. They uh, they had all the momentum after beating the Indianapolis, or be, not beating themselves, but beating the Green Bay Packers, and uh, and pretty pretty much this was their test. Um, this was their game where I really was curious to see how they perform, and they just underperformed just a tad, losing big to the Jets. Wesley, your view of the Colts? Yeah, I mean, I think Andrew Andrew Luck will definitely have games like that as a rookie. And the Colts are really, I mean, the Texans look like they're definitely going to be winning that division. I think the Colts, I don't know, I think they're similar to the Dolphins. I just don't think they're ready just yet. And it's just going to be inconsistency all year long. Right, I'd say pretender there. Let's take this down to the NFC. And uh, the AFC West is definitely an intriguing division. And I'm going to start out with the hottest team on the market right now. The stock is flying up there in Seattle, the 12th man. And uh, what a performance. Russell Mania taking over for Tebow Mania right now. They beat the Patriots 24-23. to Big um, contender right here. Um, their defense is very solid. They've beaten the likes of Rodgers. Um, Brady and Cam Newton this year, so uh, and Tony Romo as well. Yep, and Romo. So go ahead, Wes. I like Seattle. Yeah, I think Seattle. I mean, that defense is scary. You know, that's definitely the loudest stadium in football. It's one of the toughest places to play. And I mean, this team, if if Russell Wilson continue his Tebow-esque performance, then I mean, you know, the Seahawks could be a threat. But I still like Seattle to win that division. Now this brings up an interesting team. When you look at their record 4-2 and two, and you look at their victories over the Eagles and the Patriots, the Cardinals have really fallen from grace. Kevin Cobb now getting injured. I'm, I'm sticking with a big opinion here. I'm saying a big pretender. Such a tough schedule. They have Minnesota Niners and Saints. So I'm saying a big pretender here, even on the 4-2 and two Cardinals. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I uh, look at the Cardinals as a team. I've the Bills last year, the Redskins last year, both got off the hot starts, and then just really couldn't keep it up. And I look at the Cardinals as a similar team. I mean, they definitely have quarterback questions. There's just not many weapons on offense. They don't have a running game, and I just I don't think that I just I think the run is was short lived. Right now, I'm actually going to uh, to throw it back to you. You're going to open up with these two opinions, and then I'll follow. We're going to play here. Take your pick and take your stocks right here. You can pick two pretenders out of this group. We have the Minnesota Vikings and Washington Redskins. Talk about these two teams right here that just faced on Sunday. Um, yeah, I mean, the Vikings, they're similar to the Cardinals. I'd, say I'd rank this Cardinals slightly I mean, the Vikings slightly better than the Cardinals. I think they have a better defense. They have a better defense, but they, they have even more weapons on offense between Peterson, Percy Harvin, and I just think, I don't know, in their division as well, the Packers are coming on after their game in Houston, and the Bears look good. And I don't know if the Vikings can keep it up. I think they are a pretender. As for the Redskins, uh, you know, Robert Griffin's put them back on the map. And they're, uh, they're going to be a tough out for the NFC East all along. I'm not sure if they're ready to get the wild card spot just yet, but we'll see. Yeah, um, I look at Minnesota, and, 
you know, I was looking at the game and I saw them losing big in the fourth quarter, like 32 to 10, was it? And at least Ponder really showed some resiliency in the fourth quarter. Um, Minnesota almost mounted a comeback. You're right, Harvin Peterson, and, and again, Christian's really playing some good football. Um, just, just again, just such a test game for Minnesota. It just shows that they're not really ready to take the next step there, um, just yet. And they have a brutal schedule the rest of the way as well. Yeah, I'm. I think that it'll be very close for Minnesota. Um, they're they're a contender for the wild card. I don't think they'll get it. Washington um, is very interesting team. Robert Griffin the third. Um, I like the Eagles in Dallas actually better than Washington. So um, you know, right now, Wes, um, who do you see as the top two teams in the NFC East when it's all said and done? This is a tough question. The end of the season, I think. The Giants, they, they proved their championship toughness in San Francisco on Sunday, really just dominating them, uh, showing that they might still be the best, might be the best team in the NFC, not just the NFC East. And the Eagles are question marks, just like last season, having fourth quarter troubles. And I mean, that came back to bite them last year, and right now, again. And you look at the Cowboys, had Des Bryant not led a pass. Two-point conversion roll through his fingers. Fingers they could have stolen the ball tomorrow. And I think, I think at the end I'm gonna have to. I think I like Dallas a little more than the Eagles to finish second in the NFC East. Yeah, um, Dallas would would an impressive performance yesterday, even in a losing effort. If they if they got blown out by Washington, this might be different. Um, I look at the Giants as the clear-cut winner of this division, and uh, it's it might be, I think that the second-best team will still miss out on the playoffs. Washington's just too young. It's going to be Eagles in Dallas. You know, just with Reed and the whole situation there, I just think the will of the Eagles, I, I still see them finishing out the season well as they usually do and coming like 9-7, and 10-6. and six. Um, down the stretch there. Um, another team that, that as we finish up the NFC, um, you can go here with a, uh, with an outside the box pick. I think that New Orleans still is a contender for a wild card. Even though they're one and four, I believe that they can pick up some steam. Bruce the Sports Doc, you're nodding your head on this one. You, you're allowed to step in and give your opinion on New Orleans. I think when you look at the 16 game season, you look at the dissension, uh, well, not within the T, but just all the adversity. One and four, you're really buried. It reminds me a lot of Philadelphia Phillies being totally buried in the first half, coming out strong, but finishing up short. So with respect to the Panthers and Saints, uh, I, I can't pick either team to be a contender. Wes? Yeah, I, I don't think the Panthers are ready. I mean, Cam Newton in his career, he's put up so many numbers, but he's just 7-14. and 14. And I just don't think the Panthers just don't. They don't have a good defense. They just they were, they had to play the Saints twice, the Falcons twice. And with the Saints, I think it's just too much to overcome without Sean Payton. And they've, it's shown so far they got to win before the bye week. But just like Bruce said, I just I don't see them overcoming an 0-4 start. Well, that was a whirlwind segment. We really hit a lot today. We were firing on all bases. Uh, we want to thank our guest Wesley Kaminsky. And certainly, uh, we, we covered a lot of the NFL, as well as the baseball playoffs, Derek Jeter's devastating injury, and I hope you enjoyed it. We're signing off here, Bruce the Sports Doc, Voice America Sports, and as always...
play safe, but don't come in second place. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.